Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. And I want to start with this amazing story of this man named Charles Blondin. He was a famous French tightrope walker. And Blondin's greatest fame came in September 14, 1860, when he became the first person to cross a tightrope stretched 11,000 feet, or over a quarter of a mile, across the Niagara Falls. People from both Canada and America came from miles away to see this great feat. It was an amazing thing. He walked across 160 feet above the falls. And he did it a few times. And each time he did it, it become, became even more daring in his approach. Once he, he, he did it in a sack. I have no clue how that happened, but he crossed Niagara Falls on a tightrope in a sack. Okay? He did it on stilts. That's amazing. He did it on stilts. He did it on a bicycle. He did it in the dark. Now, this has all been recorded, too. They, they, there's pictures of this guy doing this. And he did it blindfolded once. And one day, a large crowd gathered... And there's just so much buzz and so much excitement about this guy doing another one of his tricks and stunts and, and doing the tightrope. And so the American side and the Canadian side, Canadian side you know, they were getting ready to, to come together and watch this guy do this. You know, the Canadians on their side saying, oh, he's about to do it again, eh? Right? Okay, I had to throw in a Canadian joke. Come on. But the crowd was ooing and aahing as he's going back and forth on this tightrope. One dangerous step after another. And he did it pushing one of these. Okay, these are already, if you've ever done construction, these are so hard to, to push, right? They're, they're a pain. You have to have like the perfect balance in them. You have to know what you're doing when you're doing a wheelbarrow. But he went across pushing a wheelbarrow, but not just a regular wheelbarrow. I mean, if, if somebody went across and back and forth with just a wheelbarrow, yeah, that's pretty neat, right? But he's done bigger stunts, right? He, he, did, he did stilts. He did blindfolded. No, he filled the thing with potatoes. So you're talking about a couple hundred pounds filled with potatoes that he went across Niagara Falls, 160 feet above Niagara Falls, actually, back and forth. And when he came to one side, he said, 
do you guys believe that I could carry, and he dumped over the potatoes on the, on the one side, I don't know if it was the American or the Canadian side, I don't know if he checked it with customs either. <laughs> but he dumped over the potatoes on one side and he said, now, do you guys believe that I could take this wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls on a tightrope with a person? Everybody started screaming, yeah, yeah. And then he said, okay, who wants to get in? And it went completely silent. No one volunteered. They had faith that he could do it, right? Because they had just seen him take a couple hundred pounds back and forth. They had faith that he could do it because they saw him do it blindfolded. They had faith that he could do it because they had seen him do it on stilts. They had faith because they had seen him go back and forth so many times. But when it came to them being apart, it's not for me. And many times in our Christian walk, it's the same way, isn't it? God says, do. And we're cheering on the side. Yeah! Do you believe? Yeah! We come to church on Sunday and it's, woo! Praise the Lord. Right? I mean, how amazing was it when we are singing, the tomb was rolled away? Why? Because we believe that. That's in us. We have faith in that. We know He can do that. God says, do you believe? And we say yes. And the crowd cheers in church and says yes and amen, right? We read things in the Bible and it's so exciting for us. Until He goes ahead and He dumps out the potatoes, right? And He says, okay, jump in. And then we kind of Shriek off to the side. And we fall silent. You see, we are literally in our walk in Christ. We are on the high wire of life, aren't we? At any moment, our faith, our trust in God, not our personal salvation, by the way, let's, let's separate that, but our trust in the Lord that He is Looking out for our best can be tried, can't it? I mean, it's just this balance. It's like a tightrope holding a wheelbarrow and Jesus is holding it and He's walking us across and we're just sitting there like a lump of potatoes and He's taking us across and then all of a sudden somebody says, guess what, you have cancer. And it's like, oh Jesus, dump me off on the side. I don't want any part of this. Right? We hit a snag in our finances, and it's like, Lord, dump me off. I don't want any part of this. I don't want this. This isn't my rodeo. In Matthew 17, verse 20, and this is going to be something that keeps on coming back in this series. I want this verse to really just haunt you guys, okay? Jesus said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Faith the size of a mustard seed. You would say to this mountain, move from here to there, 
and it will move. And nothing will be possible to you. Jesus told his disciples, listen, I'm not asking much. Just get your faith the size of a mustard seed. And last week, we handed out those mustard seeds to everybody that came in the building. Most of you guys lost them in your pocket. You couldn't even find them. I came up and I had one. I couldn't find it. I had to take out pocket lint and ball it up. I mean, that was part of what we're doing, right? We're just saying, if you have this tiny little faith, they had even smaller faith than a mustard seed, but even with tiny faith in action, it can bring down mountains and cast mulberries into the sea, right? That's what Jesus tells us. Because it's not the size of the faith, it's who it's in and how you use it. So how can you and I use our mustard seed-sized faith? How can you and I grow our mustard seed-sized faith? How can you and I, in moments where we are on the tightrope of life, and Jesus is saying, hey, I got you handled. You've seen me go across this thing a million times. You've prayed for people that went through the same thing. I have it handled, and we're saying, Jesus, dump me off! How do we handle those situations in life? When you feel beat up, chewed up, spit out. When you're restless and feeling undone. When you've turned from what you know is right, and temptation and attacks are just so strong in life. Well, I think the answer we can find in this very thing is in Luke chapter 8. Let's go there together. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 41. There's a story within a story, and that's what we're going to focus on today. There's a story within a story, and we're going to zero in on the story that's there. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had a daughter about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing up against him. And a woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up from behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak and immediately her hemorrhaging stopped. This woman had been bleeding for 12 years, the Bible lets us know. It doesn't really give us a background of this woman. It just says there's a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had been continually in her cycle for 12 years. 12 whole years. Now, the men here don't know too much about that, right? But the women here, they're instantly relating to this woman. You're instantly feeling her pain of living 
every day of her life for 12 long years in that time of the month. I mean, that's horrible. Imagine the physical problems that come with that, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, I have four sisters. And I remember all of them, oh man, mom, do you have Tylenol? We would run out of Midol, Tylenol, all that stuff so quickly in one month because all of them got it at the same time, right? And they would suffer from cramps. Meg's got a bad back, so when she gets the cramps, they go to her back too and they throw out her back. It's horrible. And the Bible says that this woman was suffering with this for 12 years. The dizziness she must have been feeling every day from losing blood every single day. The pain and the aches of her body walking around cramping just constantly, feeling the aches and pains constantly. Not to mention, she's Jewish. And under Jewish law, she could not enter the temple to worship because she was unclean. Being unclean ceremonially. Unclean to worship God in the temple with everybody else. Being basically excommunicated for 12 years. Even today, by the way, Hasidic Jews, if they see a woman walking down the street towards them that they don't know, if it's not their wife or daughter, they'll cross the street in fear that she might be on the time of the month and they will become unceremonially clean if they cross her path. That's how serious they take that law. And this woman, she's living with that every single day of her life. She's desperate. She's in pain. Not only was she in pain and weak, but she's isolated from worshiping in the temple. And isolated from people for 12 years. Because if anybody comes and interacts with her, everybody already knows that she's an unclean woman because of her hemorrhaging. They can't touch her. They can't associate with her because now they're unclean. A life of isolation. But in her mind, it was, if I could just get close to Jesus. If I could just give this high wire act to him. If I could just get off this tightrope and jump in his barrel and let him take me across. If I could get close enough to touch him, if I could just graze his cloak, if I could just get close to the Savior. Do you see the desperation? Here, there's a crowd of people closing in. Jesus is rushing on his way to Jairus' daughter. And she just comes, sneaks her hand from behind. And it says she touches the hem of his garment. That's the very bottom. She goes and grabs the very bottom so no one can see her. 
Look at verse 45. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, right? Everybody's like, what do you mean Jesus touched touch you? No one patted you. No one pushed you. No one grabbed you. What are you talking about? Right? No, we didn't do that. Peter said, I love Peter, because he's always the one that speaks out, right? Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in around you. Jesus, what do you mean who's touching you? Everybody's touching you. Jesus, I don't know if you realize this. You're the Messiah. Everybody wants to touch you. Everybody's crowding around you. Everybody's in the streets to see you. You're the big show. Do you realize that? But Jesus said, someone did touch me. For I was aware that power had come out of me. You see, there's plenty of other people pushing, clawing, and, and touching, bumping up against Jesus, right? And his disciples. But what does Jesus mean? I felt my power come out of me. Who touched me? What he's talking about is none of the people that are touching Jesus at that time have the faith that this woman has that it would do any good. Everybody else touching Jesus, they're doing it for everything else, right? So they could go home and be like, hey, guess what? I touched the Messiah. <laughs> you see this little string? I, I pulled it off of his, his cloak, right? That's what they're doing it for. They're doing it for the show. What is she doing it for? Jesus, come save me. But that woman, that pain-ridden, spiritually unclean, and isolated woman, she said, if I can just touch him, my life would be different. My life would change in my place in Christ if I was just closer to him. Her faith and her actions were all directed towards her Savior. If I could just get close to touch Him. We keep on reading verse 47. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before Him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She came trembling to him with her mustard seed. Do you see that? Now the Bible doesn't say she had a mustard seed, took it out and was like, here you go. Okay? But Jesus says, your faith 
Faith the size of a mustard seed can look at a mountain and say, mountain, get out of my way and move. Because it's not your mustard seed, it's who you have the faith in, right? She came with her mustard seed of faith and said, it was me, Jesus. She had the faith. Do you see that? She had the faith. But what else did she do? She did the action. And then she got close to Jesus. It was her. It was her faith. It was her action and it was her placement that changed her life and everything from there on changed, didn't it? And then look at Jesus' words. One more time. Verse 48. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Why? Because faith is not believing that Jesus can, is it? The people that were standing on the other side of, let's just put it on the Canadians, right? The people standing on the Canadian side, when he came and he dumped the potatoes and said, who wants to jump in? It wasn't that they didn't believe he can. They'd just seen him do it back and forth many times. Faith is believing that he will. Amen? Maybe you're in the same boat. Maybe you're feeling the same way. Maybe you're like this woman in one way or another. Maybe you're struggling with pain and it can be physical. It can be mental. It can be spiritual. But whatever it is, you just struggle to get up and move. You're exhausted by the mental or physical pain. You're haunted by memories. Your body aches. You're addicted to something that just keeps haunting you. It's pain. Maybe you're looking at your life, your sins, your past, your choices, and saying, I've separated myself from worship. I'm unclean. And you know what? I, I can't go. I can't be around the, the, the Christians that are out there. I can't be around people until I get my life right. My friend, you have a Savior. Maybe you're saying to yourself, my friends have gone. I'm alone. My family I have no one else. But if you could just get close to Jesus. You see, the answer is within you. It really is. It's taking your faith to the Lord and coming back to Him. In, John, in James chapter 5, James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. James writes, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. 
Is anyone cheerful? He's to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and in, if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. It's faith, James says. Just like it was faith, this woman touching the hem, the very edge of Jesus' garment, if I can only get close enough, I can, I can be healed. Her faith aimed at Jesus. If you aim your faith at Jesus, the Bible says it can accomplish much. Not too long ago. Actually, I lie. It was long ago. It was probably 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> 10, 15 years ago, I was taking um, the kids at youth group we were doing evangelism. Uh, we, we, would do, we were doing this training and things, and we would get together, um, and we would go over to Tropical Park, and we would go sharing the gospel. And so I took a group. I think there was maybe five kids. It was enough to fit inside of... I had this big blue uh, Chevy that w was given to me, this, this sedan that was huge. And I fit the kids inside of it. We drove over to Tropical. We started going around, and it was being a bad day. No one wanted to talk to us. Uh, we had a couple times that we tried to engage somebody, and they threw the track back at the kids, said, stop talking to me, leave me alone. And we got chased by the you know, police over there. And, and we were like, hey, listen, we're not doing anything wrong. This is public property. We're allowed to be here. And so they had to agree. So finally, at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, guys, this is, this is our last stitch. Let's, let's just go. Let's try to talk to somebody. And there was a man sitting up on the only mountain, I like to call it, right? It's our, it's our Florida mountain. It's our Miami mountain, okay? The hill on Tropical Park. Who knows what's under that thing, okay? Probably got a bunch of trash and like, you know, but who cares, right? So this guy, he's just sitting on top of that mountain. I said, that's the one we're going to talk to. So we go up, and I think it was Sarah Olson started the conversation with him. She was like, oh, hi, how are you doing? It's a beautiful day, right? And he's like, yeah, it's a beautiful day. And he was kind of like Eeyore. It's a beautiful day, probably going to rain later, you know? He was not in the mood. He was really just, you could see his whole countenance. He was just down. Something was troubling him. So she's trying to get into a conversation with him to turn it towards the Lord. And she was having so much difficulty. So she looks over at me and she's like, 
So I walk up there and I, I, I'm like, hey, how you doing, Richard? I'm, I'm Cody. And so we just start talking. And we're talking and talking and, and he's just saying how, you know, his, he, had a, he had issues and he lost his wife, right? He, they divorced. He's not able to see his kids because, you know, he's struggling financially. He's got all these things in life that are just compiling. He has an aging father. He has all this stuff that's just burdening and stacking up one thing on top of another. He hadn't seen his kids in years because he had been battling with alcohol. And as I'm talking to him, his, the, the, I mean, seriously, it's just so much smell and, and, and stink of alcohol that my eyes were burning. And I told him, well... Richard, the only thing I can tell you is I know a man that died to take away all those pains. Not that he doesn't make everything go away, that not that all that stuff, the moment you believe in him, just goes away, but you don't have to carry it anymore. And you have somebody to hold your hand through the pains in life. You have somebody handling it for you. He's like, well, tell me about it. Now, I don't know if he was just doing that because he was still kind of hungover, dealing with himself. But he finally let us in. And when I shared the gospel with him, he began streaming tears. I mean, tears were just coming down his face. He was just drenching his shirt with tears. And I said, well, do you want to pray right now with me and let Jesus know that you trust Him as your Savior? Yes, I do. And all His dread of life melted away in those tears. And those tears that had been pain turned into tears of joy. Because He was crying because He found his Savior. If he could just touch the hem of his garment. The answer is not another drink. The answer is not another relationship. It's not going to be to get a higher prescription. It's not a new job or a change of scene. The answer is Getting close to the one who saved your soul. The one who died to give you life. The answer is, in how close can I get to Jesus? It's not, hey, you know what, I need more faith. Remember the disciples we talked about last week, they said, Jesus, we need more faith. No, it's getting close to the one you have faith in. If I can almost touch Him. You need to realize where you are and where you need to be. Right? A lot of times I, I talk to people and we do counseling and John, I bet you've heard this before. We do counseling with people and we'll sit down and they'll be like, Pastor, I just feel like I'm down here and God's all the way up there. And I'll tell you, Jesus has not moved. What he usually is, is that people, 
as they begin to go towards their own desires, they move away from the Lord, they quit reading their Bible, they quit praying to God, they quit going to church, they quit associating with their brothers and sisters in Christ, they quit singing. And all those things start to eat away at your soul. And yes, they will make you feel like Jesus is all the way up there and you're down here. But He hasn't moved. So who has? The answer is, how close can I get back to my God? You need to realize where you are and where you need to be. I want to be with Him. You need to realize the answer is getting right and getting close to Jesus. The woman said, hey, I haven't associated with people in 12 years. I haven't worshipped in 12 years. I haven't been able to, to get over this physical ailment and this pain physically and mentally for 12 years. If I can just touch Him. If I could just get close. James 4.8 tells us, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Jesus is calling us to come close to him, and when we draw close to him, he draws close to us. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, it's the direction of your faith. Scripture says we're in a give and take relationship with Jesus, Jesus wants you. He wants to hold you. He wants to comfort you. But your sins are separating. If you change your proximity to the Savior, if you jump in, even though it's a scary ride, if you draw near, if you grab a hold of Him and don't let go, grab a hold of the lover of your soul, grab a hold onto the One that set you free from sin and death. Grab a hold of the One that gives you grace, love, and peace. The way to combat life. The way to combat sin and grief and pain and shame that the devil and your mind and, and people all around you try to shove in your face, right? The way to deal with rejection is to change your position, your proximity to Christ. Draw near. If I can only get close. We're told wherever two or more are gathered in His name, He is there. You need to get close. Get close to those that are in here. Get close to Him. Get close by studying His Word, being in His Word daily. Get close to His Word. Get close by calling out to Him in prayer because He always listens. You're never on hold. Get close 
Get close by asking Him to help you in life. In the moments where you feel like you're desperate, just talk to Him. He listens. Get close. Get close by telling Him your struggle. Crying out to Him in your pain. Get close. Get close by praising His name. Is anyone around you happy? He must sing praise. Right? Get close. Get close, brothers and sisters. Draw in. When life gets hard, don't, don't start fading away from, from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't start fading away from others. Don't start fading away from Him. Draw closer to Him. Amen? The answer is not to separate. Not to separate from God. Not to separate from each other. And the answer isn't to try to get more faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the answer is to draw close to Him. Draw near. Get so close to His Word that, that you could smell Jesus coming out of it. That you could feel His words soothing your soul as you're in the darkest pit in your life. This woman was desperate. You need to be desperate for Jesus. You need to feel like, you know what? This is my last, and He's my first. I love the old song, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. I remember as a kid, my dad gave me a harmonica. And he gave me this little songbook, and it had two songs in it. One, I had no clue what the song was, so I was like, I can't learn that one. And the other one was this, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. I'm not going to play the harmonica for you guys. Yeah. Because I see you guys getting ready to bolt. But if you would, sing with me. Goes, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk with thee. Let it be just a closer. Just a closer walk with Thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking. Daily walking close to Thee. Let it be, dear Lord. Let it be. Jump in his wheelbarrow. Let him handle the tightrope of life. Draw near. Grab onto his cloak. Because you know what? 
In moments in life, it's not your tiny little faith that gets you through. It's who you have faith in. It's standing shoulder to shoulder with your Savior. Amen? Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.